This is Humans of Non-League, a podcast about the people who live and love football outside the spotlight. My name is Chris Nee, and this week's human is involved behind the scenes in non-league, as well as representing players in the women's game. Joe Kinney is head of women's football at Ignite Soccer, and player liaison at Atherton Collieries of the Northern Premier League. Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you. Let's start at the start. We're going to go pre-football. Where did you grow up? Feels almost silly asking somebody <laughs> so involved in Manchester football that question. Um, I grew up in a town called Tilsley, which is probably about 12, 13 miles away from the centre of Manchester. And now I live in Atherton. Um, so that's it, Manchester. I live in the Wigan Borough, strangely enough, but have a Manchester postcode. So um, when, when you speak to people, it can be a little bit strange of trying to explain where you're from, Wigan or Manchester. So I say more Manchester than Wigan. So when did you first get into watching football? Um, it was with my older brothers, really. never felt alone. There's always been someone to talk to, um, always really welcoming. It is a family club. It is only a small club, but when we travel away, we travel in numbers now as well, which is fantastic. In the last five years, the club has accelerated on and off the pitch. Um, and I'm just very, I'm, I'm very lucky to be involved in such a, in such a progressive non-league club. What sort of gate are we talking on a typical Saturday match day? Um, it can range, depending obviously away fans, but on average, I think 400, 500 um, people were getting through the gates. Obviously, if Safe Shields come down, that'd be a little bit different. There'd be more <laughs> yeah. towards 1,000. But yeah, averaging 400, 500, which is a good gate for us, definitely. How have you personally found the transition to that from 70,000? It, <laughs> it's... Um, the noise can be as deafening, as, as crazy as it sounds, because at the Schooner Stadium, the, it echoes around the ground. So it can be really, really noisy. Um, and depending on who you're playing, quite aggressive as well. It's better in a way. Not to say watching United, you always felt threatened, but there's always a level of aggression there, which normally you don't get. People get annoyed and angry with referee decisions, things not going their way. But you never feel threatened or in any danger. That's why a lot of families come to our club. Because the children are obviously welcomed and they're all obviously, you know, it's a safe environment for them as well. Who were your favourite United players growing up? Dennis Irwin, which is a real random one. Um, <laughs> and Big fan of penalty kicks. Yeah, just um, just so quiet and unassuming, just uh, very steady and reliable. Roy Keane, but my absolute favourite is Eric Cantona. I've got pictures in my house adorning Eric. Um, he is the king, always will be. <laughs> Even got a picture of the night at Selhurst Park, which is a little bit, as my dad says, why, why have you got that in your hallway? Obviously, the kids see it, but that's a part of history. You know, and obviously, yeah. not, it was not a great thing to do at all, but that's Eric. So, you know, it's, um, for me, he's just, even now, watching him on TV and things like that, it's just, we'll never witness a player like that, just with that character. Not the arrogance, but just that charisma. Well, such, such a stylish player and also we stole him from Leeds as well for an absolute <laughs> um, an absolute steal so yeah for me Eric Eric is the best player I've ever seen play definitely yeah one of a kind yeah are you happy with the direction of United at the moment um, yeah because I watched Oli um, LGS as, um, as a youngster so watching transition from a player to a manager you still feel he's, he's, you trust him. I know it sounds a bit strange uh, with having Alex Ferguson and previous people before, but I think, you know, you've got to give him time like anyone else. So I think it's, you sort of think, you look at the league position and think, oh my God, how will we there after all these results that we've had and dropping points? But um, it's an exciting time for United, definitely. You're going to win something. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah, that's the spirit. So just to bring it back to non-league then, how is your club, 
been uh, handling this very strange season? On the pitch, we've played, I think, eight games. That's it. Wow. Sitting eighth or ninth in the league as it is, as it stands. That's the lowest I've heard, I think, eight. Eight games. Um, and like I say, being eighth or ninth on the table is phenomenal for us. Because <laughs> obviously we didn't expect that. You know, we, we always like to, well, for me anyway, obviously Brad, the manager, will probably say something very different. But we're not expected to just jump through these leagues. You know, we, we, we sustain, we build and we, we move on within a couple of, couple of seasons. So um, we had a really good run of form and everything felt right in the camp as it was, shall we say. Off the pitch, we've got a fantastic chairman and committee who are dedicated. We've even got people um, that are on the club every day, obviously individually due to COVID, making sure mm. that the ground is as best as it can be. Pitch is looking superb. Um, we've built new stands. We started a GoFundMe just because we've struggled, obviously, without having our clubhouse open at the weekends, which brings a lot of revenue in as well as the gate receipts as well. So we're just maintaining and keeping going. But um, with our chairman, Paul, he's, he's led us really, really well. And, the, you know, we will survive, we will continue, even though we are one of the smallest clubs in the league. And we don't have a millionaire backer. We don't have the money set aside, literally. Um, we raise our money through our clubhouse. So it's been hard and it'll continue to be hard for us, but everyone's dedicated and committed to making sure whatever happens, we are there next season and we'll be competing. So you're punching above your weight. What what would a typical league finish look like for, for the club? This is... Uh, second season in the, the Prem, sorry. So for me, it would be mid-table, top end of the table, definitely. If that, obviously, if we exceed that, that'd be fantastic. But not to say we're not ambitious, but for me, it's just making sure it's sustainable. And we're not at the bottom of the league every season. We are progressing and moving on. And definitely, I think we're in that, we're in that transition then. We're definitely going to go there. We were around by the time they got promoted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we've been promoted four times in five seasons. So... Um, that season we got promoted from the, as it was the Evil Stick then, that was the hardest season mentally, physically. It was draining for the players, for all the committee, everyone involved. It was just, there's another game, there's another game, there's another game, there's three points, there's three points. So the last game of the season was at home against Trafford, which I think we drew. But we were listening to the Radcliffe game as well. And obviously we knew we won and the players knew we won, but we had to obviously try and sort of maintain some I don't know, some stability to, just to, to get to the end of that game. And it was it was like a breakdown at the end. It was just, I mean, I cried on the pitch. Um, I, had to, <laughs> I had to film for um, Angie, the league secretary. They were doing the Facebook Live of the presentation of the trophy, of the, obviously the league trophy. And um, it was just everything came out, all the emotions, because you're just on autopilot in those last sort of 10 weeks of, you know, we've got to get there, we're going to get there and... If we didn't, it would have been devastating because there's so much time and energy put in by everyone. It was it was phenomenal, to be honest. Um, it, it's far exceeded our expectations to get there so quick. But it's just testament to the manager, um, the coaching staff and the players and everyone who supported them. Whatever the players wanted, they got whatever the manager wanted he got just to make sure, as we call it, the marginal gains, that they had everything just so we could win that league. That was that was all that we wanted to do. That was all the, the target was, the objective that was set. Tell me about the gaffer. How's he achieved what he's achieved? Well, Michael left 2019, December 2019, I think it was. And then he went to Ashton, um, which is a club um, in our league. And then Brad, who was our captain a couple of seasons ago, he came back and was announced as our manager. So 
Brad, obviously, not as an experienced as previous managers that we had, has come in and really set his stall out, created his own team, got his own people around him, and everyone's bought into Brad's way. It, obviously, it's hard coming from the previous manager's um, hold on the team and the club, but Brad has really exceeded our expectations, I'd say, in, in such a short time. Because for us now, it's just expectations to win, 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 and keep going. And yeah, with Brad, he's, he's the very different managers, aren't they? It's really hard to explain the very different characters. Um, but the level of dedication to Brad, he's, um, he's absolutely giving it his all for our club, definitely. Our captain, Danny, when Michael left to go to Ashton, we had a cup game midweek. So Danny took the team with one of our other players. And there's a famous picture that we use for one of the awards. And it's Danny coming out of the tunnel. And he literally was carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders because he was managing the team that night. Michael had just left with all the coaching staff. We had new managers watching from the sidelines who hadn't actually officially been appointed as such. And yeah, so Danny for me as the captain has been, he's like a brick wall. He just He's so strong and same. Like we've got Gaz P, our defender, um, who just scores that many penalties for fun. It's unreal. There's so many players that you see that have left, but you know they're still they're still you're still in contact with them. You know you still wish them well, but they become more like family members because after a game or when you're travelling home on a coach with them, you never get that with United players at all or any professional players. But um, these lads have been through academies and been pro at a young age, and obviously this is semi-pro now. And yeah, they're just fantastic. Non-league players are just. They're a different level because a lot of them work full-time, then give up time away from their families to travel to say Shields or Morpeth on a Tuesday night and get back at 2 o'clock and go into Barrow that we did in the Cup um, last season and just get driving home, driving me home on a minibus at 1am in the morning. It's just crazy. So, yeah, for me, the players, there's so many. We've got stories of everyone um, and whatever you ask for them. You know, if, if it's a fan's birthday or it's Christmas, they'll, they'll do something. They're always willing to do that little bit more, which is which you wouldn't normally expect. And those players need the team behind the team as well. So I, I've been involved in a uh, Step 5 club currently and at a Step 3 club previously. Neither of them had anything remotely close to what you would call player liaison. <laughs> so tell us what player liaison looks like day-to-day at non-league. Basically, it's... It's a massive umbrella and it gets bigger and bigger every season. But for me, it is literally, um, we start it when we sign a player. So I'll do a welcome message. Okay, so I need your date of birth, da-da-da, all that, all that. The secretary takes care of all the registration. And me, it's more of a welcome. What size are you? What do you like wearing? What do you like to eat, you know, for the half time and things like that? And just get to know them, you know, what family have you got? So we welcome the family when they come to games as well, so... It's really sad, but in a way, if the players are wearing the right size um, kit, it makes a massive difference. Um, and I've learned that in the last five years. There's no more Ryan Giggs baggy shirts. Everything's as tight as it can be. And that, that makes a difference for a player. So they don't want to be wearing a shirt that's three sizes too big. So, And the same with the tracksuits as well. And for me, it's, as long as the players feel welcome and have that initial message from me and if they need anything or they're unsure about anything, it's just a little bit more, I'd say more professional in one respect, but also to know that I'm like a bit of a mother figure in one as another thing as well. But to know that they've got someone to speak to if they need to as well. Um, obviously, well-being and mindset and mental health is huge, obviously, for, 
for youngsters. Um, so for me, as long as they're taken care of, and then I'm doing my job, basically. So then you integrate, I assume, with the secretary, as you've said, yeah. the matchday secretary, club welfare officer, or is that you? No, no, that's, we have a club welfare offer for the junior <laughs> side, but I think I probably cover most of the welfare as well. So yeah, the secretary, Emil, he takes care of the official documentation so there's no fines or anything like that. But for me, it's just, like I say, that they're welcomed and they have everything. So when they turn up, that they should have the kit, you know, the track suits, everything. So they look, it looks professional. There's nothing better than seeing your team get off a coach, all wearing the same gear, all smiling, ready, ready to play that football match. And they look like a unit as well. So for me, it's just making sure the players... You know, when they go in the changing room, that, that's a different matter. You know, how the captain welcomes them and so on, how they fit in. But I'm just there to make sure that they're supported and they've got everything that they need. Have you had feedback from players who said, I've came to the club, didn't know what to expect, and it just made everything run much more smoothly? Or yeah. do they keep it quiet? I've got some quite close friends who are players just because it's developed over time. But a lot of players that have left have always sent me a message saying, thanks for everything, even at this level. I've never known anything like it. It's been really professional. So that that's nice to hear that as well. So at least I know I'm doing the right thing and I'm going in the right track as well. Because with Coles, you know, we, we've got the smallest budget in the league. That's, you know, that's that's a given. But what other things we do do, obviously other clubs can't do that and won't do that or just don't have people capable of that. So that's like how we stand out. Do the players make use of that ability to pick up the phone and give you a call? Yeah, um, I've had a few phone calls when players have been a little bit down or I needed some support or not sure about something in the personal lives. So, you know, that that not is not necessarily what I thought this role would be, but it's just evolved and developed. So I'm guessing they have that level of support at professional clubs. So why can't we do it at non-league? So it's just, like I say, it's just evolved. And players, yeah, they contact me for anything at any times of the night sometimes as well. It can be, so depending on... <laughs> If it's a night out or whatever, one of them's lost the wallet or something's happened or they've lost someone or they need a taxi or it's just so, you know, or yeah, it can be a number of things, but it's all it's all good natured. Why do you do it? Because I love football. Um, I love my club. I want our club to be as successful as possible. I always like to find new ways of taking things further. Um, and a big, I'm a massive believer in looking after players so they feel that they, I'll say it again, looked after, but they're taken care of. They know that someone looks out for them at the club because you see it in non-league, players come and go from clubs. It's a revolving door sometimes where I've not really seen that at calls because we retain the players and a lot of them say it's because it feels like a family and they feel they're, they're part of the Coles family. So that's why I do it. All one big happy family. And you'd still show up if you weren't involved directly with a specific role, I imagine. I mean, I've travelled to games. I've gone, it's really naughty this because my boss, he knows about this. But when I was working in, uh, when I was based in Bury, uh, it was the season of the promotion season. And I would just nip out on my lunch hour. Right, we're playing at Mosley, three o'clock. Right, that's about 25 minutes away. Right, I can do it. Okay, I'll be back in a bit. Drollsden, just, and it, it, it's that buzz. It's that feeling that you want to be there. You want to be a part of it. You want to, you know, you want to feel it. So, yeah, um, I would always, if I stepped away from calls for whatever reason, I would definitely still go and be as dedicated as possible, definitely. Did you have any kind of background in this type of work at all? No, not at all. What I do in my day job is not anything related to football or this, but I do coach people at work and support them and guide them. 
So I believe it's just probably transferred from that. And I always want to see people do well, whether it's for me or somewhere else. So I'll always say if a player moves on, I will always support them, send them well wishes, good luck. Even our players that left to go to Ashton, you know, I always said to them, whatever happens, you know, wish you well. Have you found that the football side of things has helped you in dealing with people that you coach at work as well? Yeah, I think because everyone's got a different personality and how you speak to one person may not work for another person. So it's just identifying, reading the signs of what triggers, you know, would help you strike up a conversation. I employ a lot of younger males in my role, my job. So football is a given for most of the lads. That's a good way in to speak to people and get a bit of, get to know them as well. So yeah, football's, um, football's universal, isn't it? You can go anywhere in the world and speak about football and then you can make friends about football. So yeah, definitely. I think the football's, um, it definitely helps. Most of us volunteers have a few jobs around the place. I know I do more than one. And so do you. So tell us a little bit about the commercial side that you've been starting on as well. So the commercial side really is we have a number of sponsors who have been with us for um, quite a few years and we wouldn't be where we are today without our sponsors. So we have like our main shirt sponsor, HFL, they've been with us for a long time. But I think it was just widening the net because a lot of people didn't know we existed in the town of Aberton, even though it's a small town. We've got a lot of businesses and obviously our town's up and coming now due to the transport links to Manchester. So there's lots of new businesses. So for me, it was attracting those people. And just, I started going to networking events that a business in the town put on. I've been to networking events in my own role. So I thought I'd try it for the football. And to be honest, it was really good because it was just literally, here's a football club. We have so many people that view us online, on Twitter, etc., across our social platforms. Uh, so many people come through the gate. I can sell you a board for 250 quid. Why don't you do it? And it was just literally that. And it built up from their program adverts, things like that. So we've attracted some unique sponsors like Lupine Travel. So you can travel to Syria and Iraq with Lupine Travel. Um, they've got a famous board in our ground, which just says Visit Iraq, which is just... Very nice. Yeah, it, it works. Um, we've got two new sponsors that joined us um, at the start of this season for training kit, um, which is M. Logan and Sons. Again, fantastic. And um, Paul, who is the MD for that company, literally, I spoke to him, he came down, met the chairman. And because we've welcomed him and his family, it was just, it was a given. He was just said, I just want to help the club and be a part of it. So uh, Paul's fantastic. And then we've got our tracksuit travel wear sponsor, which is MPD, which again is Mike, a fan who's been watching us. But again, it's just these people watch, but you don't know that they've got a business or they've got money that they'd like to put into the club. So for the commercial of that, it was just tapping into that. And I even say, you know, player sponsors, anyone and everyone can be a sponsor, no matter how big or small, everyone contributes. And that makes a massive difference to our club. So for me, for the training kit and for the travel work, that takes thousands of pounds away, for, away from us. So we don't have to pay that. They, they kindly sponsor. So we can put that money into other things. It's just being careful, really, and making sure every opportunity you have. So we did like an online game. We replayed a game before sorry during pre-season with the lockdown so we sold online tickets a pint a pint and things like that so a lot of a lot of clubs are doing that at the moment just trying new things out just to keep the money coming in so yeah for the commercial side it, it, it was a given really it's just there's so many opportunities and everyone else is busy doing other roles within the club so it's just a case of tapping into that and just seeing how far we could take it, it has been really successful does the club appreciate your work as much as the players yeah yeah they do yeah 
I've made friends there that I'll be friends for life now. I've said this previously, but it's definitely true with the media team, um, with our secretary. Yeah, they do. Yeah, it's um, you don't need a big pat on the back, but like the chairman, you know, I said thanks for everything, appreciate everything that I do, and that means a lot really because yeah. coming from your chairman and you know your, your treasurer and your assist, um, your vice chair, you know, they're the guys that have been there for a long time. So if they're saying you're doing a good job. You know, keep going. Thanks very much. You know, you you know, you're onto a winner. Non-league football, I think, really sets English football apart from the rest of the world. What is it about non-league that draws us weird football fans in every Saturday? A lot of people say it's the price. Price doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, I think we, I think we're eight or nine pound a ticket, so it's a bargain. Kids under twelve for free. Again, it's a bargain. It, it's a family it's a feeling it's it's a scene it's a vibe it's it's the environment you can't bottle it you can't find it anywhere else you go to big games but it's faceless you can't unless you're a season ticket holder and been sat next to that person for the last 10 years you're not going to have a conversation yeah. away fans i love it because i've made so many contacts in other clubs hospitality when you go away it's just they, they look after you they really take care of you, um, and I love it because you'll go there and you'll speak to someone who's been in the tea hut for thirty years, and, and just live and breathe football. But they're the same as you; they're a little bit odd in a way. <laughs> I don't know; you can't describe it. It's, you look forward to it, and I'm really missing it at the moment. It's a real, it's a real struggle. You're thinking on this Saturday coming, we'd be travelling away to South Shields, so that would be a coach trip. That would be cocktails, prosecco in on the coach, <laughs> little little. Little things, um, talking to people about the stories from the from calls from 30, 40 years ago, which I love. I just, Emil, our secretarial tell us, I always ask him to tell me a new story. What story have you got this week? You know, tell us it's something that's happened. Same with the chairman. It's it's amazing. It, it's just, there's nothing like it. That's all I can say. My team stopped going on coach trips regardless now because we always lose. Always lose. <laughs> it's just, it's a, an unblemished record of defeat. So we've just stopped doing it. When you go to those places, coach or otherwise, and get talking to whoever it might be, what response do you get from them when you say what your role is at the club? There's Joe who's at Witten Albion, who's in our our league, and she does a similar role. Um, when I first started this, I asked her a few questions, a few pointers. So you'd be surprised, actually. They probably don't have the label or the title, but there is someone at that club who does that role but when you meet these people, it's like, oh, what do you do? And I do this. And um, there's Kat at Ashton, for instance. Um, I met her in October when, she came, when obviously Ashton came to play us. And it's the same struggles and the same issues. And all the players are the same. You know, they all want this, this, this and this. And all demand this, this and this. But there's always someone at the club who does something that you do. But like I say, probably not, not given the title. But yeah, it's... Like I said, I just love going away talking to other people and, and getting little things of what do you do and how do you go about this? And it's just that common ground of... Yeah, I do the same, and yeah, it's a killer sometimes, and like travelling home at two o'clock in the morning, but you know what? It's just football, it's just what we do. Are you the referee liaison as well? <laughs> yeah. yeah, referees, that's, uh, I'll leave that to a meal, fortunately. <laughs> I don't get involved with those. It's probably the smartest move, I think. Yeah. It's an interesting one, because the secretary who, who, who will deal with that at every club, I assume, certainly yeah. mine, takes on a lot of what you do. So you, you've kind of helped the secretary out within that club by yeah. taking that side of the work off whoever yeah. those people might be. Because I did the same thing with the programme at my club. It just it became part of the secretary's work. Yeah. And I found that out and just thought, well, that's not right, is it? 
No. Someone should just do that. So I took that away and it helps the secretary to focus on being the secretary. So you're doing the kind of supercharged version of taking (laughs) something off somebody's plate, really, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, with pre-season, I pretty much, for the last three seasons, have arranged pre-season friendlies to the point that I did this joke with Michael, the manager, that I'm pre-season coordinator. So I would send messages out to his friends who are gaffers at other clubs to say, hi, I'm Joe, I just want to organise a pre-season friendly. Here's the dates we've got available. He could have done it quite easily. Yeah. But again, it took it to another level. Um, we've had um, new clubs want to play us as well. So I had Rochdale down this season which was amazing. We've never played Rochdale. And, you know, they're a real professional club. And I was talking to the finance director and the the chief exec, and they were fantastic. They were like, oh, my God, how do you manage this on this budget? And this is what we pay. And I'm like, my head was going. It's like, they spend (laughs) thousands upon thousands on on kits. And obviously, it's, it's the same football, but just on a different level. But you think, wow, but they were really impressed of how we handled it um and i got lovely messages afterwards saying how professional we were organizing a friendly during sort of the covid piece as well mm. and they and they said they'd come back um the next season so hopefully you know we can get crowds in because we play bolton every season as well as a pre-season friendly and that sets us up really on monetary wise you know sets us up for the season as most pre-season friendlies do the bigger the club the better and you want you know, you want a home fixture to fill the stadium on a lovely hot summer's day because it's a win-win for you, you know, for your club on the on the um, financial side. So that's been a massive impact this season. But again, it, you know, pre-season friendlies, that's, I love that. That's my thing. We played El Itiad. I don't know if you heard about that. We didn't play Baltimore, we played El Itiad and we beat them. And that was, they, they presented our chairman with this huge silver plaque which sits in the clubhouse and I dread to think... It's nice and safe, by the way. I dread to think how much that's worth. And you just think, oh, my word, that was just phenomenal. You know, Arabian, Saudi Arabian champions yeah. coming to us. And they, when they got there, they were just like, wow. But they're, they're, very, um, they're very down to earth considering the, the level that we're at, they were at. But, wow, it was just, that was mind-blowing. That was uh, something else. What's the story there? We were due to play Bolton Wanderers, but they, they couldn't fulfil the fixture obviously because they were going through the issue of ownership. Mm. They were in that turmoil. So they didn't even have a shirt sponsor at that time. They were going through a really tough time, Bolton. So we were invited, uh, myself, Cal, one of the media officers, and Joe Gibbons, who was a media officer at the time, to go and watch a behind-closed-doors uh, behind game with Elitiad and Bolton. So Elitiad had come over to do a tour. Basically, I think we played Leeds as well. Again, behind-closed-doors, just part of the sort of training regime for when they went back to the start of their league. So Bolton couldn't fulfil the fixture. So basically said, well, they said, well, they'll play you. We're like, what? <laughs> said it ready in the Champions, they'll come to Addison. They're like, yeah, they want to play you. So we're like, right, okay. And I think literally we had a few days to organise that. So obviously it was just like proper, just full on programme, making sure the clubhouse was clean and tidy, everything was straight, everything, everything was mint for these guys coming over. And it's just surreal to think that we actually beat them as well, wearing our orange kit, yeah. which is just another conversation anyway. <laughs> but we had a bright orange kit at the time. I thought it was a good idea at the time. didn't quite go so well. Um, but yeah, if you get a chance to just Google that, just LATR travelled over. And we had their fans travelling up from London to come and watch the game as well, because obviously a lot of Saudi Arabians were based in London working. 
And they came up and it was just like watching these guys walk to the train station. You're like, oh my God, where have all these people come from? It was just unreal, absolutely unreal. Amazing. You're also a part of Ignite Soccer. Tell us about that. So I was speaking to Tom Weston, who is the MD at Ignite Soccer Agency, and had a conversation with him June last year. Um, and I was looking to maybe move into consultation, player liaison, player consultation, looking to be an agent. And Tom had actually sponsored, I think it was the match ball for one of our games. So I was just sending out these messages and seeing what came back and obviously stayed quite close to Tom, to be fair. He, we had a conversation, I think I was on the phone to him for about two and a half hours and he was telling me how about it and how it all works, like the dirty side of agency and, you know, the nice side. And I was like, right, okay. I said, sounds great. I'll, I'll have a think about it. I'll, I'll definitely, you know, look into it, you know, potentially, you know, set it up. And he said, do you realise this was an interview? I went, no. <laughs> he went, well, I'd love you to join my company. I was like, okay. He said, yeah, I'd like you to look after the women's side. It's really developing. Um, and I think you do a great job. So I was like, okay. So I had a quick chat with him. Player inquiries started to come in. He, he did the social media launch to say I joined. And I literally, I think I signed a player within 10 days for him in the women's side. Um, and it's just gone from there. It's gone from strength to strength. So I get my agent's license this week, so I'll be fully licensed. Congratulations. So thank you. Um, so that'll be, I'll be legitimate. <laughs> so yeah, for the women's side, it's the, it, it, I mean, my daughter plays football. She's only nine. Um, it, it's just moving on so quick. And again, when I speak to the girls, when they're unsure about joining an agency, it's just making sure that, you know, there's, there's sharks out there, and I hate to think that these girls are taken on by these people. And I'd just like to think that they're given every opportunity. So if they want to go abroad and play abroad, I can do that for them. We've got clubs contacting me all the time. Iceland, Japan, Italy, looking for the British girls, the English girls, because I'd like to say our girls are technically gifted. So for me, joining the agency was just, it's accelerated. I'd never thought I would be doing this so quick, but it's something to enjoy. I love to, uh, talking to my players, catching up with them after games. And unfortunately, there's quite a few of the youngsters at the moment, obviously not at elite level. So they're not the reserve teams of these these clubs. So they're not playing at the moment. But I do have a number of girls that are currently playing. But unfortunately, I can't go and watch them because everything's behind closed doors. So I watch everything through the YouTube channel and the FA player as well. So agency work, that's just, I think I've found, I think I've found my role. So from liaison, I think it's developed into being an agent. Someone just gone. I spent the day with a, a, we'll call him a now Premier League footballer and his agent doing some work. And over lunch, his agent was telling us that his whole idea for his business is that he doesn't want to get down in the mud with some of the other stuff that other agents will do. And I think the point he was making was that he took a player welfare first approach, yeah. as in he was genuinely the representative of the players. For somebody coming new into the industry, that has got to be the benchmark of, of how you want to treat that job, surely? Yeah, definitely. I think, like I say, it's it's looking after the girls or the players and making sure that, you know, everything that they um, aspire to be can help them get there. And there's no false promises. You know, we would only take on girls of a certain level because it's not first those girls at a lower level, you know, to say, I can get you to Super League. I would never say that. If the girls are hungry enough, and one of the questions I always ask them is, so where do you want to be in a year's time? So then I can gauge their level of determination and focus as well, which a lot of the girls, to be honest, they're so focused and determined to succeed and go as far as they can. But they need a helping hand, and that's where we step in. So we've got the contacts always to help them move on. You know, if a club comes to, the, to us and says, I'd like to speak to this player, 
you know, I say to the girls, if you're happy where you are, I'm not going to pull you away from that club. And I've had conversations with manage, with their managers to say, if you're looking after your player and they're happy and they're going to develop, then that's fine. If they're not and they're unhappy and another club comes in, then I'm not going to say, I'm going to make sure that girl gets that opportunity because it's not fair on that youngster not to be given that. Monday to Friday, what are you doing as, as the agent for these, these players? I touch base with the girls, depending on how often they want to speak. Some girls are quite happy to speak once every couple of weeks. Some girls want more than that, which is fine. So I'll do whatever they request. At the moment, it's we're a bit of a standstill. We have players, obviously, that are waiting to move on to clubs. But with COVID, it's, it's not really, it's not moving as quick as we'd like it to, for obviously, and you know, for obvious reasons. So for me, normally a working week would be touching base with the players, touching base with managers at clubs, making contacts putting players to clubs that they requested. So a lot of in, uh, European clubs are wanting players. So obviously I send the details over to the European clubs. These are the girls that we've got available at the moment. It's just a lot of conversation, to be honest. It's a lot of phone calls, a lot of emails, a lot of WhatsApp, a lot of text messages. That's what the that's what the normal working week is along to, alongside my full-time job at the moment as well. But yeah, there's nothing quite like it. Speaking to a player, finding out about them, where they want to go, what they want to do and where you can help and where you can fit in with that as well. So I think I'm quite um, I'm, I'm quite blessed and quite lucky to be in this position, I'd say. What are you proudest of as an achievement as an agent so far? There's no real defining moment, but I'd say the journey has been fantastic. It's been hundreds of miles an hour, really engaging, speaking to players, getting players to sign with you, speaking to players' parents, speaking to managers of high-profile women's football clubs. I once sort of envisioned that last year. So for me, I think the journey is, I'm, I'm just living and breathing that at the moment. So I may get that defining moment next year if one of my players becomes a regular at a Super League club, fantastic. But for me at the moment, I think the actual journey is is a fantastic experience, which I'm loving. Is that your ultimate aim for, for women's football at Ignite Soccer is to, to have that pipeline into the Super League? Yeah, for us, definitely. I think uh, we have a lot of youngsters that will go really far in the game like 17 18 year olds that are really going to develop and move on but yeah i think like anything you know if i could sign a premiership footballer tomorrow you'd jump at the chance so it's with the women's game it's it's different to the men's game on the agency side definitely because these girls aren't just a number to our agency they are you know a real character someone you want to look after and take care of and nurture so I, if I can take that girl and, you know, she goes as far as she can go with her ability, then that would be absolute satisfaction for me to, you know, to say, you know what, I, I've helped this girl. She's, she's, she's done everything she can and she's played at the highest level she can. And for me, that would be, that would be a defining moment, definitely. Now, another of your roles, another one is player liaison at the famous FC Brickstand. Now, I, I think that warrants a little bit of explanation for anybody who's not familiar. What's going on there then? Chris from FC Brickstand, he was building replica stadiums uh, when I first come across him on Twitter. So I kindly asked him if he would produce a model of the Schooner Stadium, which he did and he brought down on a sunny afternoon and took pictures on the pitch of... <laughs> the stadium and the, the stands in the background and oh, it's absolutely beautiful because it's actually encased in the club at the moment it's it's encased at the club so you can actually you know you can see it amazing just you know to the, to the level of detail with the paintwork of the right colors and stuff it's just amazing 
so Chris, I did a podcast with Chris and then he asked me, I think it, it pretty much it was after the, I don't know if you'd seen, we did a viral video, myself, Joe Gibbons and Carl and Ben Conway. We did um, a little bit of a spoof of Carolyn Radford from Mansfield when she signed Nicky Maynard in Portugal. So I don't know if you've seen it, but we filmed it in, on the morning of one of our pre-season friendlies. I think we were going to Presswich Hayes in the afternoon and we filmed it about 10 o'clock in and around Addison and Addison train station. So in the video, Carolyn would pick up the player um, in her Bentley standing with an iPad with the player's name on at an airport. So we flipped that. I drove my car up to the station, waited for the train to come in and up the stairs came Ben, who was actually returning from New Zealand at the time. So it was a brilliant, it was perfect timing, to be honest. But I remember Ben, he was sat in his car outside my house, ready to film. He said, I just don't think I've got this in my locker, Joe. I said, come on, we can do this. We can really do this. It was just like, it was such a whirlwind. Anyway, Joe managed to, Joe and Cal managed to cut it and edit it um, within probably about two hours. So it went out before the Presswich Hayes game. And we stood there at the sidelines Presswich Hayes game, it's like, oh, 15,000, 20,000, 25,000. You're like, what? How far is this going? And even Carolyn Radford said, well done. Even Mansfield Town did as well. So it was well received. So from that, I then became the player liaison FC Brickstand. So um, it's just basically, I'm now, um, I've been created in Lego. I've got my own little Lego figure um, that Chris created for me. So when I present Man of the Match, after the games with FC Brickstand, I appear presenting the little man of the match to the player. Um, he actually, I think it was last weekend or the weekend before, he did a little thing before the game. They were clearing the snow off the Lego pitch and I'm there throwing snowballs. And it's just, oh, Chris is fantastic though. The, the, the level of detail he has for the players, his Lego players and his Lego league is just, and it, it, it's, again, it's another scene. It, it's, there's, it's like a little cult following. It's fantastic to be part of that and it just makes me smile every time I see it when they play and they're going in the leagues and the Builders Liga and it's just I really encourage anyone to have a look at FC Brickstand it's just absolutely amazing it's so out there but it's fabulous it really is so yeah that's another role I have um luckily it's not as intense um so I'll let the little Lego version of me do all the work there but yeah um it's amazing but again who would have thought that from football it's just it's just fantastic to see things like this it's just it's so funny honestly it really brightens your day when you see stuff like this well it's well worth a look and it's a fun place to leave our conversation as well joe it's been a real pleasure talking to you thank you very much it's been a pleasure where can we find you on twitter so you can find others and collieries on twitter at acfc1916 and also if you want to have a look at fc brickstand they are at fc brickstand and is there somewhere we can have a look at your agency work as well for all agency inquiries we're at at ignite underscore soccer or you can contact me directly at joe underscore ignite perfect well if you've enjoyed meeting joe there's plenty more where that came from don't forget to subscribe to the show if you haven't already and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts Humans of Non-League is a Sphinx Football production. Thank you for listening.